Three out of four, not bad. Three out of four. Heavenly Father, sermon hymn is picked because we're in the middle of Red Sea rules. And it would seem that when we come to a time in our life where the Red Sea is in front of us, it would be a very difficult time for us to witness pertaining to our Lord and Savior. The truth of the matter is, the strongest witness we could ever give is during that time when the affliction or the trial or the storm has come. Other people are looking carefully. They are having compassion and mercy upon us because of what we're going through. And when they see us stand firm in the faith, in spite of what has come, they stand back in a little bit of awe and they say, I can't believe what I'm hearing and I can't believe what I'm seeing. May our light shine in the midst of the darkness so that others might see that light and glorify our God, in whose name we pray, amen. The briefest of reviews last week, principle number one, Red Sea Rules, God has you where he wants you to be. And as we cover the story of Joseph's life, to bring out that first principle, we realize that whether he was in the pit, or whether he was in Potiphar's house, or whether he was in prison, or whether he had risen to second in command of all of Egypt, that Joseph lived out that truth. For no matter where he was, he understood one thing, God wants me to be here. And as we look at last week, we remember that the first time uh, perhaps God ever appeared strongly in his life, when was he was in that pit and listening to his brother's discussion whether to kill him or to sell him, and then God comes in the pit, like God came when Jonah was in the belly of the whale, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace. God comes strongly when the Red Sea is in front of us, and there's no going back because Pharaoh's army is there. And you can't go to the north or south, east or west because those directions are not open to you. When there is no hope, God is hope. And he opens up the waters. If it's a time of blessing for you, job-related, health-related, relationship-related, promotions at work, success in school, throwing the passes that get you the scholarships, getting the scores on the ACT that gets you other scholarship. If it's a time of blessing in your life, glory is going to go to one person, and that person is you. God rejoices with you. I said last week, he allows you to be in a place of blessing so that joy might come. The joy is extended to God himself who has brought the blessing. But in the midst of that success, the glory is yours. The people are talking about you, they're not talking about God. You might talk about God and give him praise, but the people are talking about you. 
It's your name in Facebook and Twitter and social media. It's your name up at the bulletin board at school or at work. When God has placed you in a time of blessing, you receive the glory and the honor. When uh, the storm comes, it all changes. When the storm comes, they're talking about you. But they're doing it in a whispered voice. They're saying to others, can't believe what the Joneses are going through. Can't believe what the Smiths are going through. They had the world at their hands and now it's all fallen apart. Not only do you not receive glory, but you do not receive visits from individuals either. When you are going through the storm, you become invisible. People don't do it on purpose. They just don't know what to say. They have come to you in a circumstance that your life has changed. They stay away on the shore of even whether they should come. And when they come, they're dumbfounded. What do we say to someone going through a storm like this? There's no glory that comes to you in a storm. The second principle that you will study this week, Red Sea Rules. In the midst of your storm, as you stand in front of the waters of the Red Sea, be more concerned for the glory of God than for your relief. And I'll add something to that. If you are more concerned for the glory of God, then your relief shall come. Why? Because in the midst of your storm, there is one person you have not forgotten, and that is God. Be more concerned for his glory than for your relief, and your relief will come. Your focus shifts off the Red Sea. It shifts away from the army of Pharaoh behind you. It shifts off from, I've tried everything and there's no escape. There's no healing here. And all of a sudden you're looking in the direction that Moses looked on that day. And you're saying, God shall come and God shall be glorified. You're no longer thinking about, how am I going to get out of this? You're no longer thinking about, I stand no chance. You've looked far, far up to the mountains, and you've said, God shall come. And your relief is immediate. Name was the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12. He came to God on that day. I'm going to read it directly. He said in verse 7, To keep me from being conceited, to keep me from becoming filled with pride, because I did so much for God. Satan has sent a thorn in my flesh, not God, Satan has sent a thorn in my flesh to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with God to take the thorn away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. My glory shall shine forth in your weakness. And the Apostle Paul said, From now on I will boast when the affliction comes, because the glory of God shall be manifest, and his power shall be upon me. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to give him praise, honor, and worship. What does it mean to glorify God? The Bible takes you one step deeper. It says to glorify God is to recognize the importance of God in your life. The fact that he is real, Hebrews 11, that he is not a legend, that he is not a myth, that he is not a fairy tale, that he is not an ancient story from the Norwegian country, those ancient people. He is not something made up. To glorify God, you recognize the reality of who He is. And you recognize the importance of Him in your life. To realize that He is your all in all. Whether it's the greatest day you ever had on this earth, or it's the worst nightmare of a day you ever had on this earth, He is still your all in all. Be more concerned for his glory than you are for your own relief. You're still praising him. You're still honoring him. You're still worshiping him. And in spite of that storm, when other people come around you, the storm is not mentioned. He is mentioned. When other people come around you, they're so fearful they're going to hear about the storm. And they don't know what they're going to say when they hear about your cancer or your house foreclosed on or the divorce you're going through. They don't know what they're going to say. That's why they stay away from you, because they think they're going to hear about the storm. But if you talk about the God who's with you in the storm, everything changes. And you're giving glory to him. And you're not even mentioning the storm. My hero is Habakkuk. I don't know why I could read the Bible through six times in a 20-year period and never have been struck by Habakkuk chapter 3. Eighteen months ago, I saw the verse as if it was for the first time. Habakkuk has a storm going on. I want you to listen to this, and I want you to tell me, after you hear it, whether he was talking about the storm or whether he was talking about God. Habakkuk 3, verse 16. I heard the army of the Babylonians coming. They were so powerful in force and number that the ground itself shook. 
And when I heard them coming, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, my bones became decayed, and my legs trembled. Yet when I heard them coming, I was already waiting for the deliverance from God. And then he said this, Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop shall fail this year, and my fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in my pen or cattle in my stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will find my joy in Him. He is my strength. He will make my feet like the feet of a deer, and He will enable me to climb the highest heights. Habakkuk takes a look at the storm, the mighty army of Babylon, that will destroy everything. He takes one look at them, and then he looks up, and he says, God shall be glorified in the coming of this army, for he shall win the victory. Still praising God, Believing that God is the one singular key to his surviving what is to come. He was here last night, Mike. And back in November when he had the heart surgery. Waiting two months to have that surgery. I said to him the night before the surgery, I said, Mike, how do you keep fear from overwhelming you? I can't imagine waiting two months to have this surgery that is so critically important. And Mike said to me, he said, Pastor, fear is normally a basic part of my life. But when I have fear pertaining to the surgery, I say, Satan, I know that it's you knocking at my door, but I have Jesus. So you must leave. Be more concerned about glorifying God than about your relief. And your relief will come. Psalm 121. I lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord God Almighty. If you were down in Florida last week when the hurricane was coming, you packed up all your stuff and you left as quickly as you could and went as far away as you could. When hurricanes come into your life or mine, there is one direction we head. It is not away from God, it is toward God with a speed that you have rarely had ever in your life and with a certainty and a confidence that you've never had in your life. And it was the storm that sent you to him. Does not the Bible say that he's the shade? Does not the Bible say that he is the rock, the anchor, the fortress, the shields? 
And that is what Robert Morgan means when he says, in the midst of the storms in my own life, in the midst of the MS that came to my wife, in the midst of that which came against me in my ministry, if I stayed focused on the glory of God, then I had no time or energy for my own circumstance. Everything was focused on Him. There were ten lepers. The story there, Luke 17. There were ten lepers. All ten are cleansed. One comes running back to Jesus. Why does he do that? Listen very carefully. He was more concerned for God's glory than he was for his healing. As much joy as he received that this cancer called leprosy was gone, he was more concerned and delighted that God had revealed himself. He found greater joy in the fact that God had made himself real than he was over his healing. And that's why he came running back, knelt down at Jesus' feet, and he glorified God. He didn't say, my leprosy is gone. He said, God has done this thing. Have you ever been through a storm? And when the storm is over, you are not talking about the deliverance from the storm. You're talking about God who came and opened up the Red Sea and got you through when you thought there was no hope. Then truly, you have used that storm to bring glory to God. And as the years go by and you talk to other people about what you went through, you're not talking about the circumstance. You're talking about the God who got you through. His name is Stephen Hanauer. I mentioned him before. Joshua's doctor some 20 years ago when his life was in the balance. Six weeks in the hospital there for Joshua. Five foot ten, ninety pounds. Dr. Hanauer said, unless we do the surgery, you're going to die. I remember on one occasion saying to Dr. Hanauer, I am so glad that God has brought you across our path. And Dr. Hanauer was kneeling down by the bedside of Joshua. And he was looking intently at Joshua, and all of a sudden when I said that, he's not looking at Joshua anymore. He stood up, and he lifted up his hands, and he looked up. He looked up. And he said, I glorify God that he has given me the ability to help those such as your son in such great need. I glorify God.
Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. Satan's kneeling on his back, whispering in his ear. The same thing he whispered to Adam and Eve. Has God told you that thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the apple? God does surely lie. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be as wise as God. He's doing the same thing to Jesus. He's kneeling on his back. He's whispering in his ear. Has God said, thou must climb the cross? God does surely lie. There is some other way to do this, Jesus. And maybe that is why Jesus then said, Heavenly Father, if there is some other way to pay the penalty for mankind's sin, show me the other way. And then he said, which was the knife in Satan's heart, then he said, Not my will, not Satan's whispering, your will be done. And he climbs a cross. And before he climbs that cross, he says, I want above all else for my Father to be glorified. And when I climb the cross, he shall be glorified. What do you do with your storms? Do you have such a faith in God that when all hope is gone, you lift your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help? And before you're ever delivered from the storm, you're glorifying God. And then whether the storm goes or whether it stays, since you're glorifying God, you have his peace. I want to close with a true story. Happened last week. She's one of our members, mid-30s, just had a baby. Baby is a few months old, baptized a little one during covid I heard from her mom that she had been in a car accident and I gasped because the last time I talked to Tammy, she said I never go anywhere without the baby. I gasped and I said to her mom, was the baby in the car? She said, no, the baby wasn't in the car. You talked to my daughter. And I called her daughter the next day. I said, tell me. Tell me about the accident. Tell me about the baby. She said, Pastor, I got into my car and I put the baby in the baby's seat. And I started up the car. And, and all of a sudden, as I began to pull forward, I realized I had a flat tire. So I turned off the car and I took the baby out of the car seat. I went in the house and I said to my husband, give me your car keys. Got a flat tire. Can you fix it? I'm late as it is. And I put the baby back in the car seat in my husband's car and I started up the car and all of a sudden the baby did what babies do. 
And I shut off the car again. And I took the baby out of the car seat and I went into the house to change the diaper on that baby. And my husband, who doesn't like to change diapers, says, let me take care of the baby. You are so late. Get in my car. Go on your way. Let me take care of the baby. And she said, I got in his car and off I went. She said to me, God did not want that baby in that car. And he did one thing after another to keep that baby out of my car. And then she said, As long as that child lives on this earth, teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, as long as that child lives on this earth, I will know one thing, that God is watching over my daughter and shall do so to the end of her days. She didn't talk about the accident. She talked about God watching over her baby. And in the midst of the accident, watching over the mother of the baby. What was she doing? Why did I get goosebumps? Because she was glorifying God. And when I come to your houses or your hospital rooms, and you tell me these stories, I am not so much in awe of the circumstance you're going through. I am in awe of the faith that you have and the glorifying of God that takes place. Let your light so shine before men in the darkest moments your life will ever have. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your faith in him and be moved. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, Faith is meant for the time when there should be no faith. And that is why Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that is why he defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil, because faith shows its power when there should be no room for faith. But as a child of God, that is our anchor. By faith we are kept through the power of God unto salvation. Lord, I'll ask you as I did last week to bless this book which Robert Morgan has written. Its pages come straight from the promises of God in the Bible. And may there be one person or two or three or four who are changed because they went through Red Sea rules and they understood the most necessary thing that in all circumstances of life we need to glorify God, in whose name we pray. Amen.